Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Welcome to FFT Dynasty. I am your host, Heath Cummings, joined by my two good friends, Jamie Eisenberg, Dan Schneier. We are here with a lot of other friends for a live Superflex startup mock draft. That's a lot of words. Jamie, how was your weekend? How was your Father's Day? Uh, Father's Day was great, thank you. Weekend was uh, was very good. Uh, it's a lot, a lot of baseball. <laughs> a, lot, a, lot, a lot of coaching baseball. So it's a very, very busy week. I got one kid in the state championship this week for Florida wow. for 8U, uh, 8 and under. And then um, my 11-year-old, his uh, his all-star tournament starts tonight. So a uh, lot, lot, lot of baseball. How about you? Those are the best times. I got a lot of basketball going on. No, no more baseball anymore for me. But it does. The off season is just full of other sports. Is what we do, Dan. Dan, how are you? How's how's the office right now? Um, this is the home office over here. I'm not, I, I haven't been in the Manhattan office in a long time. Uh, that one I think is actually shut down. But things are going well. I had a good Father's Day too. <laughs> Spent it with my dad and my brother. Playing a little golf, a little tennis, nice. little family doubles. So that was good. So I tell you guys about you at the golf course. I'm sorry. Anybody recognize you at the golf course again? Not this time, no. That was only down in Florida. <laughs> I want to tell people what we've got going on here. It is a 12-team Superflex startup mock draft. We are starting two running backs, two wide receivers, two flexes. It is half PPR, and the draft starts off. Thomas, go ahead and bring up the, the draft board for us right off the gate. I had the one pick. I don't know how that happened. Super strange. But it leads into the very first question. This draft starts with seven straight quarterback picks. Dan, you thought that was exactly the way that it should be. How many quarterbacks do you think should go before we see Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, B. John Robinson come off the board in a in a super flex startup? I think we're right at the point where I would every quarterback who's been taken so far, I would take actually over Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. So I would have had Trevor Lawrence over both of them. And I would be close on deciding between Deshaun Watson. And one of those two players, but I think you got to go for Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase. I just think the value of quarterbacks in this format only proliferates as you go on. Like in one year from now, if we did play out this mock, Ethan, Jamie, I can guarantee you the price to acquire any of these guys would be so much higher than it is right now, assumed to be right now, or then you assume it then then it will be at that time. So it's it's tough. They're like gold to me in this format. I, I. I will most likely be taking another one on the comeback, depending on who's there. It's just how I view this format. Yeah, I I, I knew when I had the first pick, I was taking Patrick Mahomes, Jamie. But I, I and I thought there was a pretty good consensus of the top three. It's it's Mahomes, it's Allen or Hurts at, at two and three, and then generally it's Burrow at four. But you see here on the board here, yeah. Dan had pick number two. He went with Joe Burrow with the second pick. Uh, is there a good reason, Jamie, to take Joe Burrow over Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts? 
I don't think so. But I mean, look, you're looking at, you know, what he can hopefully become. The difference is, is that he's never going to have the rushing upside that those guys have. And so, you know, I think when you look at just his, what he's shown you so far in, in the early part of his career, on top of the fact that they've pretty much told us they're going to keep T. Higgins and keep Jamar Chase, or at least make every effort possible to keep that. So his receiving core should be relatively intact. And they continue to find ways to put weapons around him, whether it was, you know, um, Hayden Hurst last year or Irv Smith this year. You know, we'll see what they do with Tyler Boyd, who's in, you know, a free agent season. Um, Joe Mixon. I just think he's going to be a very offensive-centric team. Uh, age, obviously, is a little bit more in his favor than Allen. Maybe not so much Hurts, but um, you can make a case for it. For me, though, he would definitely be fourth at best. So the first six picks of our Superflex startup mock, I took Patrick Mahomes. Dan takes Joe Burrow. Joel Cox happily takes the gift given to him by Dan and takes Josh Allen. Chris Towers takes Jalen Hurts at number four overall. R.J. White takes Justin Herbert at number five. Matt Donnelly joining us today. Thank you, Matt. Takes Lamar Jackson at number six. And then Jamie Eisenberg takes Justin Fields at number seven. Okay, Dan. So we got those first seven quarterbacks. You're still ready to take Trevor Lawrence with the eighth, but where would you actually put Lawrence in this mix? Because I think he, along with Burrow, one of those guys that some people really push up in the dynasty format because while they don't have the rushing upside of Fields or Hertz or Allen, some people do think you're getting more longevity out of Burrow and Lawrence as long-term starters. Yeah, allow me to defend the Burrow pick for one second before I get into that. It is based on largely on the longevity factor. I trust what I've seen from Josh, Joe Burrow, and I think it's going to continue. Josh Allen showed some interesting signs last season. I won't say of decline. You can blame it on the injury, but of a little bit of regression, I think, what he is as a passer. I don't really love the situation as much with Stefan Diggs getting older, wanting out, with that offensive line not developing well. All opposite things for Cincinnati. Their offensive line is developing nicely. They've invested a lot of resources there. Jamar Chase is the best receiver in football, if not named Justin Jefferson. He's going to be there for a long time, and he's young. Same with T. Higgins. So I just like the cast better, and I like Burrow better as a quarterback. Same goes for Lawrence. I would actually go in my rankings. I have Lawrence ahead of Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields. He would be the quarterback I take right after Justin Herbert here in this draft. And it's a similar you know process there. I think there's a longevity factor with Lawrence. I trust what I see on the field, and I trust that he can kind of be at a high level, higher level for longer. I think the interesting thing, Jamie, and the difference between Burrow and Lawrence is Lawrence did show us a month of elite production, but Burrow's shown us that he can be a top five, top six fantasy quarterback without rushing for a a huge number. I think he can still do close to what Mahomes does on the ground. He could run for 250, 300 yards. But Burrow's already shown us, and I think a lot of it's because of what Dan said. He's got Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. We are still kind of projecting Trevor Lawrence to make that leap, right? I, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, you know, a month of production is certainly not enough to say he's there. But, you know, again, you also basically lost a year of what Trevor Lawrence might have been because of Urban Meyer in his rookie season. So, right. you know, I think the the Doug Peterson hiring, the the signing of Christian Kirk, the trade to get Calvin Ridley, the signing of Evan Ingram. Again, you, you see this with these young quarterbacks. You know, it basically started with, you know, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs and just, OK, we have this young quarterback in place. We have to get weapons around him and not just drafting them, being aggressive to go get these guys. And so the difference is that Burrow's kind of grown up in this environment. You know, he was drafted with Jamar Chase. He was drafted with T. Higgins, you know, all within a three-year window of those guys all being together. And so um, it's just, I think, Trevor Lawrence has that ability. You know, again, you can't sit here and say that he was this best prospect since Andrew Luck and and not hope that he could become that. Oh, Thomas just ruined me. I was going to take Anthony Richardson. Um, <laughs> uh, but – 
you know, I, I think you just look at it. Yes, Joe Burrow belongs in that top tier. Trevor Lawrence belongs in that next tier. And, you know, I, I, I know we had this brief conversation, you know, when I when you said um, I was up because I was a little delayed getting to the studio. Um, it was a tough call for me to go Justin Fields over Trevor Lawrence because, again, of that security and, and knowing that what he hopefully will become should be better than what Justin Fields will be over a 10-year period because you just got to fear Justin Fields potentially getting hurt because of his rushing ability. Yeah, and I think it's like it depends on what height you think Lawrence can reach because if it's 22, 23, 24 fantasy points per game, which is pretty close to the ceiling we've seen from most pocket passers, and then it's do you want 10 years of that mid-range to low-end QB1 production or do you want five years of what might be like a chance at being the number one quarterback for those five years. And then you've got to start over again at quarterback. And that's in the super flex. Obviously that low end QB one production is worth more than it is in a one quarterback league. Cause in a one quarterback league, you can often stream low end one QB production. We do before we get to the round two pick from Thomas Schaefer of Anthony Richardson, we need to start with his round one pick and finish up round one. So he took Justin Jefferson, the first non court QB off the board, we had B. Don from Rasball joining us, and he took Trevor Lawrence. And then we had three straight non-QBs to end the round. Um, Alfredo Brown from Football Guys took Jamar Chase. Donkey Teeth took A.J. Brown. And uh, Jacob Gibbs with the uh, back-to-back non-QB, right? Yep. So I'm having a – Adam always complains about the um, hosting a podcast – and doing a mock draft. <laughs> and I'm definitely going to mess that up, and then he's going to get to laugh about it. So I hope he enjoys that. He was actually invited to this mock, didn't respond to the email until 24 hours later, about an hour before we started, and said, yeah, I'll do it. I said, well, I, 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 I appreciate you saying that, but we've actually already finished the mock. So Jacob Gibbs going with Bijan Robinson with the 12th pick, and then C.D. Lamb with the 13th pick. So an interesting strategy there, Dan. He's got two of the top three players on my board at running back and wide receiver now. He has no quarterbacks until we get back to the end of round three. How uncomfortable does that make you? Makes me very uncomfortable. In this format, I I tell you, you go two years into this thing, and if you're bad at quarterback, it's very tough to recover and get okay at quarterback unless you have one of those top picks in the rookie draft. So it would make me very uncomfortable. I wouldn't be able to do it. I mean, even here, I'm in this position here where I – see a lot of players I'm back on the clock now and I did also want Anthony Richardson and I find it odd that we allow Thomas to draft Anthony Richardson considering how much trash he talked about him prior to the draft but it's all right Thomas I'll let that go as a Florida alumni but I wanted Anthony Richardson here I am going to probably in this position like there are options that I can take that will help me win now and there are probably better overall options than the player I'm going to take but I am very very strict on drafting quarterbacks in this format and so i'm going to lean toward quarterback to me i do see one more player in the tier that i'm looking at there's two players i'm looking at here actually it's between uh should i name drop them or no yes Probably. well okay. you can do that i'm picking next though and i'm picking okay. twice before you pick again so you might just want to say it after you make this pick okay i will say it after i make this pick. <laughs> i'm going to the player that i like more here anyway it's deshaun watson Deshaun watson still a lot of people are, are turning the page on Deshaun Watson. I understand that, but I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt of having a full offseason. Still just 27 years old. They've built so much around him. From everything I've read and heard, they want to make that a pass-first offense, and they're doing the right things to help him become, you know, help him lead a pass-first offense, acquiring Eli Moore, drafting Cedric Tillman, a receiver I, I liked a lot on film out of Tennessee. So I'm excited about what he can do with those weapons this year if they go with a more pass-heavy approach. And so I like him at 27 years old and a super flex. 
We will get to the uh, to the round two picks in just a minute. I'll give a recap of round one just for those who are going to be listening on the podcast and can't see the draft board that Thomas keeps up there. And then you guys in the chat can tell me who your favorite and least favorite pick from round one was. It went Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. <sighs> see, I told you. Patrick Mahomes. Did he help? Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, J- Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson. Justin Fields, Justin Jefferson, Trevor Lawrence, Jamar Chase, A.J. Brown, and B. John Robinson. I'm now up at the end of round two. So, again, in the chat, tell us who your favorite pick from round one was, who your second favorite was. I'm not taking a quarterback here. I'm not taking a quarterback with either of my picks, I don't think. I think there's still too many good wide receivers left on the board. Um, I was disappointed to see that Jalen Waddell wasn't there. But we still got Chris Olave, right, Jamie? Yes. So looking at those picks from the uh, Jamie at that one-two turn, that that run of position players, you're comfortable with doing that, right? Like if you get to the 10 through 12 place and the top seven quarterbacks are off the board, you're okay just being elite at running back, elite at wide receiver and figuring quarterback out even in a super flex league, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, Deshaun Watson was obviously somebody I considered as well. You know, I think you just look at it. There, There is, uh, you know, I'm curious to see who Dan's other guy is because to me there is a teardrop after these guys um, in terms of, you know, factoring in everything, you know, age, what they you know should do because you know two was still there. If if you told me two was healthy, he belongs in this group. But you know you obviously have to be concerned about what his long term uh, scenario is. But yeah, there there's there's no reason that you can't pivot and say okay, I'm gonna just hopefully try and find something better. You never want to put yourself in a situation as superflex and, and clearly a two quarterback league. But but speaking of this format alone, in a scenario where you don't have two quarterbacks to play, but if you are elite elsewhere, you could still make it work and then just hopefully backfill that second quarterback. Again, it's not ideal. It's not the way I would like to do it, but it can be done, especially if you build out your team the right way. And the fact that this is not a three-receiver league. I know it's a two-flex league. Right. Uh, you start two flexes, but it's not a three-receiver league, so you don't necessarily lock yourself into starting three receivers. So we'll take a look at round two now, because it wasn't just Jacob who went with two non-quarterbacks. Actually, picks 10, 11, and 12 all followed that same blueprint. So the first three picks of round two, C.D. Lambs, Stephon Diggs. Diggs a little bit higher than I have in there. And then Brees Hall. And I did think we should see a run of wide receivers in round two. And we got seven of them, just two quarterbacks. So after Brees Hall, it goes Kyle Pitts, Anthony Richardson to Thomas. So he paired up a Minnesota Viking and Justin Jefferson in round one with a Florida Gator and Anthony Richardson in round two. Thomas is staying true. Ideal for him. Staying true to the brand. Garrett Wilson, the sixth pick of round two. Then Jonathan Taylor, man, has he fallen. He would have been a surefire first-round yeah. pick this time last year. I think that might be a little too low for him as well. Second half of round two, Amon Ross St. Brown, Cooper Cup, Jalen Waddell being sniped by Joel. I didn't like that at all. Dan takes Deshaun Watson. He told you all about that. And then I went with Chris Olave and Tyreek Tyree Kill at the one-two turn, bringing putting uh, Mahomes and Tyreek Kill back together. What did you do at the start of round three, Dan? So this was a tough decision for me, and I wanted to talk a little bit about it because this was a crossroads for me in my draft. I made a, made a decision here to either be playing for the now or playing for the future. So the pick that was just made two picks later was the play for now play, Christian McCaffrey. He's sitting on the board here at the top of round three. I already have Burrow and Watson, two quarterbacks, I think can give me an edge as soon as next this season. So McCaffrey would give me, in my opinion, the best chance to win now, but I had to pass it up for a player like Drake London for a multitude of reasons. But for starters, I don't really prefer to go with running backs in this format at all i'd like to get receivers in i'd like to get quarterbacks in before i'm even thinking about running backs and i'm okay figuring out running back later and drake london is a player who i think is going to give me a lot more years than christian mccaffrey and i really like the talent there london was really good on tape last year in the few games i watched for beyond the box score he looked really good the quarterback was the issue 
And I don't think the quarterback situation is going to get much better now with Desmond Ritter. I'm not a believer. But I do think that there's going to be a time very soon where they're going to get a talented quarterback in there for Drake London. Uh, so it was decision. It was a tough play. But now that I've made the decision to go London over McCaffrey, it's going to shape the rest of my draft. I'm going to talk here for just a second because I want to ask Jamie a question about, I think, team that I, I think is kind of interesting. And probably like you were just saying, Dan, do I make the decision that I'm going to go win now? I'm assuming this person has made that decision, and it's Chris Towers. He started yeah. off with Jalen Hurts, and then he took Cooper Cup in round two, and then he took Christian McCaffrey in round three. So you're lined up with a quarterback who is definitely in that top tier for right now, but also may have just about the shortest window of the elite quarterbacks in Jalen Hurts, depending on how much he continues to run at this 10 times per game pace. You match him up with Cooper Cup, who basically over the last two two years has outscored every wide receiver by two to three fantasy points per game, but he's also going to be 30 years old. And Christian McCaffrey, who when he plays is the best running back in football, but has all kinds of injury concerns. Jamie, are you just all the way in on win now if you start with Hurts? Cup and McCaffrey in a startup? Yeah, I, I think you have to, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, and, and like Dan said, you know, you may find yourself struggling a little bit down the road. He was talking about the quarterbacks, you know, the rookie draft, but if you can win the league early on and then potentially, you know, set yourself up, especially if you draft smartly as the middle rounds and, and later rounds go, but set up your starting lineup to be a little bit more veteran heavy. I mean, look, we're going to see Austin Eckler's going to fall. Travis Kelsey is going to fall. I'm talking about guys that haven't been drafted yet. Yeah. Um, Keenan Allen's going to fall. You know, um, some of these guys, Devontae Adams is going to fall. You know, some of these guys that are are superstars still and can easily help you, maybe not just this season, but also the year after that, they could still help you, you know, win this league. And then you're still set up if you draft smartly for the next couple of years, you know, as you as you sort of manage it. But yeah, you know, I think once you start with, okay, I'm going to end up with uh, what happened with Chris in, in round two of, okay, Cooper Cup is my best player on the board. Okay, now I think I got to go all in. McCaffrey's there in round three. I'm definitely going all in. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I think it's really important once you've made your first two or three picks that you're able to look at your roster and see, okay, does this – it's kind of like Travis Kelsey. I, when he comes off the board, that team – I, I hope that they don't have three rookie wide receivers on the same squad. Like, let's let's find the direction we're going and go that direction. We're at the start of round three, and Dan, something I noticed. Trevor Lawrence was taken with pick nine in this draft. We had three quarterbacks go from pick nine in the first round until we got to pick nine in the third round. There were Anthony Richardson in round two. You took Deshaun Watson, then Kyler Murray. That big gap, is that is that justified once we get past – Trevor Lawrence or Justin Herbert, whoever's the guy that goes in that spot, do we need to have a little bit of a, a separating there? Or do you think everybody just missed out on getting a second great quarterback? It's close for me. I, I have a very different view of the rankings, though. Like, I wouldn't have taken Kyler Murray. I, I was between D Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott, actually. That was my decision. And I had Bryce Young in the mix as well. It was really right. those three. But um, so I, I think there is probably a drop off. Even Deshaun Watson, Jamie discussed it earlier, there's still uncertainty there. So it, it's a little bit of a drop off, but I think the demand for quarterback should be moving these guys up higher. Like I think right now, as you're seeing Tua go off the board, CJ Stroud, a little bit more risk in both of their profiles. I think that's fine. And that's justified in my mind at this point, because the, the demand for quarterback is, is really high. Yeah, it's, we had a run, and, w and we'll get to that in just a second. But let's get through what happened in round three. I started that off with Tyreek Hill. Then you picked Drake London. You mentioned it. Joel Cox took Kyler Murray, who I think is 
really someone who's interesting. After I get through yeah. round three, Jamie, I want to hear what you think about Kyler for the long term. Then it was Christian McCaffrey, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, a little running back run, followed by Jamie taking T. Higgins. Thomas took Christian Watson. And then the last four picks of round three, another running quarterback run, Bryce Young, then Dak Prescott, then Tua, then C.J. Stroud. I've got Kyler right in the middle of that group, Jamie. How do you feel about him long term once we get past and once he's fully recovered from this ACL injury? I mean, he's better than those guys. You know, we've seen it. You know, it's just a matter of, you know, what will the team look like and will they still be committed to him? You know, I, I think it's Adam was the first person that I, I heard, you know, say that they, they tank and move on from him to take the kid from USC, you know, and, and just sort of, you know, reset the whole team. And believe me, there's there's no team that's a better example of that. They tried that. They did it once, yeah. right? You know, they drafted Josh Rosen, and then all of a sudden they got the number one pick again, and they decided, okay, he's not the right guy for us. And, you know, save the save the the money essentially, but also you know get the better talent, which has proven to be correct. Um, but I I would I would hope that if he's right, you know, and, and they're able to sort of hit the reset button, they've done it with their coaching staff, they've done it with their front office. Can they get back now to you know sort of being you know a team that they could build out around Kyler Murray probably twenty twenty four and beyond? Then he should still be able to be you know a standout fantasy option. So he would be ahead of that group for me. Uh, but I understand the reservations, knowing that you know, coming off an ACL tear and certainly what the direction of the franchise is right now. We're going to give Jamie just a second to make his round four pick. But again, round three, Tyreek Hill, Drake London, Kyler Murray, Christian McCaffrey, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, T. Higgins, Christian Watson, Bryce Young, Dak Prescott, Tua Tungavailoa. Man, I can't even say names any now. I'm just reading. (laughs) C.J. Stroud. That will do it for the first three rounds of our Dynasty Superflex Startup Muck. We'll hit round four and the later rounds after this break. So we are back in round four. We mentioned Jacob Gibbs did not take a quarterback in the first two rounds, just took one at the 3-4 turn, but he only has one after four picks, Dan. You are going to hate this team. I know you do a lot of podcasts with Jacob, so you're the guy who can just rip on him and be okay. C.J. Stroud, he has at quarterback. The running backs are B. John Robinson and Jameer Gibbs. The wide receiver is C.D. Lamb, and he will not pick again for two rounds to get his QB two. Yeah, it's not the best spot. At least I feel like this is he could be in a position at some point where he can dangle Bijan Robinson to get some capital back to maybe draft a Caleb Williams or something like that. But yeah, it's it's an interesting spot in a super flex league. I think he's probably going to on the comeback. My guess, Heath, is that he's going to take like one of the veterans that falls because you're seeing. But even as you're seeing right now, Kirk Cousins come off the board, Geno Smith, like the veterans aren't even falling as much as maybe some he might expect or to get back so actually, I'm on deck now, so I got I to gotta concentrate a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I love the fact, Jamie, that Dan doesn't need to start concentrating because he's got 20 seconds left on the clock and he's about to miss his pick. <laughs> Dan's going to start concentrating a pick and a half before to make sure that he's fully ready. You know, well, Dan I has, have an idea already of what I wanted to do. I just wanted to make sure that those players are still on the board. Dan has never been caught <laughs> off guard by being on the <laughs> clock and it being his turn to make a pick. Chris no, no, Towers, no. our uh, win now team, Jamie, is that... Are, do we all just start playing for the future now? He gets Austin Eckler in round four. Yeah, I mean it's uh you know it, it's it's again and and there's still a lot of stars still available. So lean into it, you know, lean all the way into it and say, okay, I'm just gonna get this top five player, that top five player, and you know just the hell with 2024 and beyond. It's not a it's not a bad strategy to go once you commit to it, and it's seemingly something that he commits. So I want to go back to Jacob's team for a second because had he taken another quarterback instead of Jameer, uh, Jameer Gibbs. It's a very good start, you know, especially if he ends up with, you know, if depending on how he wanted to balance it. Do you want to take another young quarterback, 
Uh, Daniel Jones, Jordan Love, those guys were available. You know, not that you would take those guys over, let's say, a Desmond Ritter or, you know, some of these other guys that still might, you know, Kenny Pickett. Um, but if he had taken another quarterback there, it's a very, very good start. You know, Jameer Gibbs could still be an amazing player, and, and, and we expect that to be the case. But to get those two studs, Bijan and C.D. Lamb, still get your quarterback and potentially two, it would have just been, you know, I, I think one of those things, especially a young quarterback, he would have been a team to, to keep an eye on for several years. Not that he still might not be, but, you know, it's just he, he, I think he pivoted in the wrong direction by not taking quarterback. Jer- Jerry making a point not about the team we were just talking about, but about Chris Towers' team. Do not let him get Kelsey in round five. <laughs> I agree. Cup, McCaffrey, Eckler, Jalen Hurts, and Travis Kelsey would be a, a big mountain for all of us to climb. I'm not uh, in the position where I'm going to block him, though. I do feel like I have to take my second quarterback, and this this is a tough point. Do you take the young guy who you think could be a good number two for quite a while? Or do you take the older guy and just figure you'll be filling that spot again? I don't think it's as difficult to fill the QB2 spot um, as it is to have that elite guy. Once I have Mahomes, I'm pretty happy going with some stability. So I'm going to take uh, Jared Goff as my number two quarterback. Kind of falls into that middle range, Jamie. I don't know how we could expect that he's going to lose his job in the next year or two with the way that he played last year. Like if Detroit walks away from him, someone else is going to want him to start for them. Right. I, I would anticipate that. And and I was torn actually between cousins and golf simply from the, the safety factor because cousins 34 uh, golf has a few years on him knowing that the fact that cousins is in a contract year, you know, he might be gone from Minnesota. Um, I just felt he's still a little bit safer for this year and maybe even next year. And again, he's tied to, you know, Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison. The thing that concerns me about uh, Goff would be if they lose, and there's so many expectations being put on the Detroit Lions right now, Dan Campbell could be gone. They may clear the front office. I think we're all expecting Ben Johnson to get a head coaching opportunity because he should have had one probably last year. So now he loses maybe his coach, his office coordinator, and everything just sort of goes in a very, very different direction for, for Jared Goff. And maybe he does not get that opportunity to be a starter. But yes, I, I think it was a great pick there for what you had. Let's go through round four here. Jameer Gibbs leads off the round, followed by DK Metcalf, another guy who used to be just a surefire first or second round pick in a dynasty league. I think four is further than we normally see him fall, but in Superflex, maybe not. Uh, Daniel Jones, ding, goes with the third pick of round <laughs> four. And then we've got Devontae Smith, Jordan Love, Kirk Cousins, Devontae Adams, Geno Smith, Austin Eckler. Najee Harris, DJ Moore goes one pick before me, and then Travis Etienne. So, Dan, you take my guy, DJ Moore, and then I hate I take the guy you hate, Travis Etienne. <laughs> As the low guy on Etienne, uh, how far do you think he should be falling in Dynasty? At what point would you feel like he's a good value? Because I know it's not the 4-5 turn. Yeah, I mean, how far he should be falling versus when I think he's good value is probably not a, a great question because I, I just would not be taking him at any point. I I've, Again, I've made it clear, but I am very extreme i guess in my dynasty strategy i I just don't like these types of backs i wouldn't invest in them until maybe players like calvin ridley jackson smith and jigba are all off the board right um but there is a there he's still a very young back at this point what is he i'm looking at the age now i just had it up i just want to be curious it's 20 he's 24 he's still just 24 years old and under and closer to 24 than he's 25 so you have the age factor there you're buying into a great offense so there is a ton of upside still with etn that's just not the profile i really typically like but yeah i would probably let him drop another round for me jamie what's your feel on what's going on in jacksonville there's been a lot of talk about tank bigsby and how much work he's potentially going to take off of travis etn's plate and some people even saying you know doug peterson didn't draft travis etn tank bigsby might be the best back there 
I still think that ETN's very likely to be a good number two running back for the foreseeable future. I don't think Bigsby's actually better than him. I don't think Bigsby's better than him. Actually, just uh, in, in another dynasty league I'm in, uh, and it's with you know analysts, uh, there was a very eye-opening trade. It was Tank Bigsby for Sky Moore. And I was surprised huh. that there were no picks attached to that, you know, with the potential of what Sky Moore could become this year. Um, but yeah, I, I still believe in ETN. I still think that he's the the lead guy there. You know, Dan was uh, and I did the um, the bus show last week, and and Dan obviously brought up ETN as a bust. And a lot of his points are, are valid. You know, will he still get those goal line opportunities? The the difference between what Bigsby did in college versus what ETN did last year. You know, how much of a role in the passing game will he have? Because now Calvin Ridley's in in Jacksonville and what Trevor Lawrence may or may not do dumping the ball down. And that's not necessarily Doug Peterson's MO. So, you know, the things that, you know, you sort of look at high level opportunities, goal line touches and, and, and pass catching. If he doesn't have those, those, those chances, then he's not going to be the type of fantasy running back that we want him to become. That being said, I think this Jacksonville offense is, is poised to take off. I'm, I'm very excited about the situation and, and, and everything that's unfolding there. Sch- schedule is very favorable. Head coach is favorable. We, again, Trevor Lawrence, you know, taking that next step. So I still believe in Travis Etienne's talent. I still think he's the best running back there in Jacksonville. But, you know, again, if he's losing those opportunities, if, if he's losing goal line opportunities and not getting the pass catching opportunities, then he is going to make you very frustrated by drafting him in that spot. Oh, I, I definitely think like the, the pass catching too. I'm not really counting on him being a goal line back. He didn't hardly score any touchdowns last year. So I, that, that part doesn't bother me as much. And I could totally believe Bigsby taking that. I, I'd be surprised if Bigsby also takes the pass down work. No, no, that no. That, be, that's what I was getting at. Right. I don't think Bigsby's taking those pass cap- catching opportunities. I just don't know if they're going to be there to make him, like, say, a 50 catch type of guy. He may be, you know, stuck in that 30 to 40 range, which, again, right. just sort of limits the upside if he's not scoring touchdowns. Let me read through that round four list again, Dan, and then we've got a question from the chat. Talk about DJ Moore over JSN, please, because I think that a lot of people may see that as interesting. So round four picks, Jameer Gibbs, DK Metcalf, Daniel Jones, Devontae Smith, Jordan Love, Kirk Cousins. Then we had... Devonte Adams, Geno Smith, yeah, and it, man, I my my screen. Austin Eckler, Najee Harris, DJ Moore, and Travis Etienne. You took DJ Moore three picks, four picks before JSN. Dan, why? Yeah, and I also ended up taking Calvin Ridley over him. I was debating between those three the entire time, so it was close. And I think, you know, it's a good question considering earlier I took Drake London, and I basically said I'm going to play more toward the future. But when it comes to that decision, DJ Moore over JSN, I would prefer to take the player who I think both have incredibly high ceilings as far as what they can do as route runners and how easy they can create separation. But I prefer to take the player I've already seen do it at the NFL level and DJ Moore. I've seen him beat man coverage at a consistent basis. I believe JSN can as well, but I want to see it first um, before I can fully buy into that. And I think just DJ Moore from from the reason, uh, you know, from a fantasy perspective and the reason I made the decision, I've seen DJ Moore beat man coverage at all three levels. I've seen him win on the intermediate and the vertical level. The ball hasn't always gone his way because he's had bad quarterback play. But JSN, to me, I need to to prove it more on the vertical level as well after the catch. Things that can create fantasy points, uh, you know, either via the deep ball or just like post-catch ability. So to me, I'd rather have the player who's proven it at all three levels of the field. Mr. TD says Towers is cooking, and yes, that does mean it's going to always look that way. Yeah, when you go when you go win now, it always <laughs> looks good. I mean, look at this freaking team, Josh. Uh, I'm sorry, Jalen Hurts, Cooper Cup, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Travis Kelsey. This was a redraft league. We would think he cheated. If, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming he's just going to take Derrick Henry with his next pick. And he just, really and should. Honestly, you can start just, four four running backs, and this is a half PPR league, yeah. so just go all the way, Chris, and then uh, really make the right riding the topper a lot easier as well. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, Keenan okay. Allen's still out there. There's just a yeah. lot of talent for him. Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're looking for uh, for older players who are going to produce a lot this year, Chris was in the right draft to draft that way. Round five is complete, and there were some older players taken in that draft. I started with Jared Goff, then Calvin Ridley, then Jackson Smith and Jigba, then Travis Kelsey, Ramondre Stevenson, oh, Der- Jamie, Derek nice Carr, man. Mark Andrews, Tony Pollard, Debo Samuel, Nick Chubb. Tr- Trey Lance and Brandon Ayuk. So an interesting round five. We had three quarterbacks taken, Jared Goff and Derek Carr, kind of in that same range, Jamie, the same type of guy who we think are probably going to be a high-end, mid-range QB2, hopefully for the next three or four years. And then Trey Lance thrown in the middle of it. How are we supposed to value Trey Lance? And you pretty much have to take him if you're on a team that's playing for the future, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I think you first off, you're hoping that he gets traded because it seems like the 49ers are going to be committed to Brock Purdy, and it's um, it's it's why would you not be? You know, after what he did at the end of last season. Now that being said, it could be a scenario where he struggles, the elbow's not right. Trey Lance comes in after not really getting a fair chance. You know, we have, we all remember the rain game, his his first start last year, hurts the ankle, and then is out for the rest of the season. And his rookie year was more of a gimmick type player. So I still believe in the talent. You know, it just he hasn't played a lot of football over the last three seasons going back to his last year of college. So will he ever get that chance? And, you know, if you're if you're buying into Trey Lance, you're hoping Brock Purdy's out to start the season. He's the starter over Sam Darnold. He goes out and lights things up. And then the 49ers have a really tough decision to do to make when Purdy is ready to go. So um, it's not a bad gamble here. I probably think you could have gotten him maybe a round or two later, though. Yeah, it's just it, it. There's not, and that's one of the things that I always say when I'm doing my rankings. Like you're going to end up with guys like Trey Lance ranked next to guys like Derek Carr, and it's just impossible to compare those two guys. They don't share anything in common. One of them is definitely going to start this year, but doesn't hardly have any upside at all. And maybe I'm underrating Dan what the upside of Derek Carr is in New Orleans. I just have a hard time seeing them go to a pass-heavy offense now. But if Michael Thomas stays healthy, if Jawan Johnson completes his transformation into Julian Edelman and Chris Olave's there as a number one, it could be a pretty fantastic situation for Carr, right? It could be, but I'm more along the lines of where you're at here. I don't really see too much fantasy upside there. Um, not just based on the system, but also just based on Derek Carr's limitations as a fantasy quarterback. So four running backs. But, you, but, but, but before you move on, though, you, you talk about this a lot, Keith, and, and I think it makes a lot of sense when we're talking one quarterback versus super flex yep. and two quarterback. There's a safety factor with Derek Carr. There's a huge, huge range of outcomes with Trey Lance. You know, and so to take Lamar Jackson and Derek Carr, okay, you're not necessarily taking a huge risk with with Lamar as your first quarterback. But like take Thomas, for example. His quarterbacks are extremely volatile. As as great as they may be, we love Anthony Richardson and the talent and Jordan Love. You're talking about no proven commodity there. And so let's just say you play this out, Richardson's not the guy come week one because they want to go Gardner Minshew and, let's say, ease the, the the maturation process for him. And now you have you know Jordan Love struggling because he clearly could. Obviously, the, the, the Packers made a decision to draft him and then not play him. We know the reasons why, but still, that's not, I think, the type of ideal situation you would like, Keith, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Well, I th- yeah, I think if, like that type of situation, 
you're just setting yourself up for like, if I hit on those guys, great. If not, I know that I'm spending a lot of assets to get quarterback from this point on. I do prefer to have one guy like a Jared Goff or a Derek Carr. Now the question becomes, do you have to take that guy in round five or round six, or is there going to be somebody in round eight or round nine who has a similar floor ceiling profile? I think the way this draft's going now, I say this, we haven't had a quarterback taken in the last 15 picks now. So maybe we'll go on a little run and, and somebody safe will be available late. But there is far more value. I don't have any interest in rostering a Derek Carr or a Jared Goff in a one quarterback league. I want to have all of those guys like Thomas does. But I think, Dan, there there is a, a reason to have those guys ranked a little bit higher in this format. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong about that at all. It's... It's tough because you have to make the decision like now if you're going to like where you're at with quarterback is, is going to change so much. So I don't know. I, I had a tricky decision with Dallas, even just taking Dallas Goddard, a player who I thought shouldn't fall that far. I really like Dallas Goddard's talent. I like his situation. I like he's a younger player. But I had the decision of if I don't go quarterback here, what's going to be left by the time it comes on the board? The reason I didn't go quarterback is because. I was looking at the board and it felt like people aren't going crazy over quarterback in this draft. And it seems like people are not reaching there. So I'm hoping there'll be just some kind of talent left on the board. Cause I don't really like to leave these things with two quarterbacks. I do want to say like, there's some talk in the actual draft room chat about yeah. the guys who are watching the stream while we're uh, doing this draft. And I just, you guys, thank you. We're already in the middle of round seven, 35 minutes in you guys done a fantastic job and we're going to get to uh to a lot more rounds than we normally do i'll recap round six here jamie tell me if anything sticks out to you we've got jordan addison kenneth walker and jerry judy then jk dobbins damian pierce and Traylon burks a whole lot of question marks in this round chris godwin amari cooper terry mclaurin michael pittman javante williams man those running backs and then i uh i went with jahan dotson so the four running backs there jamie Walker, Javante Williams, J.K. Dobbins, Damian Pierce. You didn't take any of them. Which of those guys do you like best and which are you most concerned about? I mean, I'm obviously most concerned about Walker just because, you know, who knows how long he'll be the guy there in Seattle after what the Seahawks did by drafting uh, Zach Charbonnet and clearly Williams. You know, you look at the, the, the knee situation and will he ever get back to being that guy and will the Broncos allow him to be that guy? So Dan's probably a better person to ask on, on his status. But I think you look at Dobbins and – there's so much bounce back potential. You know, the contract situation makes me a little skittish that he's, you know, upset about that now. And will the Ravens commit to him? And Pierce, you know, clearly what he showed us last year, but will he be able to do it again? Those are my two favorites. But, you know, if Javante can bounce back and be the guy that we thought he was going to be, um, there's there's a lot to love about that as well. Yeah, I think I think all those guys could be borderline top 12 running backs this year. And all those guys, Dan, including Javante Williams, we could view as no better than bench pieces next year. Without a doubt at the running back position, that's pretty much always the case. I think what was interesting about this round was the receivers that came off the board. Players like Terry McLaurin and Amari Cooper, I, I, and even you could throw Godwin in there. I'm not as high on him. But players like McLaurin and Cooper, and even Pittman, like these are the types of plays that people... I feel like once you get in these dynasty startups, Heath, and you could tell me if you've noticed this too, those middle range age receivers, like between 27 and 29, seem to fall further than I think they really should here. Like players that are proven, especially McLaurin, a player who is proven, and, and, and Cooper, can you can put in the mix. He's a little older, though, with a little bit more of an injury history. But those players, I feel like you're getting great value with. McLaurin, to me, was the best pick of that round. And, and Traylon Burks as well. He, he was in the mix as well. He doesn't fit that billing, but... I always know. Do you notice that sometimes those those receivers who are starting to get a little bit older, but still have plenty of prime, plenty of prime left, tend to fall? 
Well, they do because I think like and a good example is the guy I took at the end of the round was John okay. Dotson, who is right there. Like I think they're pretty close. He and McLaurin for this year, but there's a, a three or four year difference between them in Dynasty. And I think it's like Chris Towers likes to make fun of the mystery box people. It, him, John Dotson could be anything. He might even be Terry McLaurin. But we've all decided that we know what Terry McLaurin is now. And he's a, a fine low-end number two wide receiver. But he's probably not going to be around for six or seven years. And he's probably not going to turn into a top 12 guy. So I do think it's harder for people to get excited about him. I want to run through round six one more time. We'll move on to round seven, which we just finished. And I want to start, Jamie, by talking about Miles Sanders compared to those round six running backs. So first round six went Jordan Addison, Ken Walker, Jerry Judy, J.K. Dobbins, Damian Pierce, Traylon Burks. My eyesight is getting the best workout ever. Amari Cooper, <laughs> Terry McLaurin, Michael Pittman, Javante Williams, and then I took Jahan Dotson. Now, I took Miles Sanders at the start of round seven, and when you compare him, Jamie, to Pierce, to Dobbins, to Walker, to Javante Williams, he's obviously a couple of years older than all those guys. But I feel a little bit better about him in terms of the next two and a half, three years, because he doesn't have the same injury concerns that some of those guys have. And his contract, he just signed a deal that makes him the starting running back pretty much for sure for the next two years and a pretty good chance he's on Carolina in three. How much do you factor in with those 26-year-old running backs, what their contract situation is in terms of how likely it is they'll lose their job? If he's there in three years, I'd be surprised as the featured guy. Two years, I think you're safe, you know, certainly for this year, but... You know, look, this was a guy that prior to last year when he was playing behind a ridiculous offensive line with an MVP quarterback and everything sort of just fell into place, we were sort of worried about where he's at for his career. You know, I mean, he was really struggling for the last, you know, you know, year plus in terms of being a, a, a consistent producer. And, and we know that the passing game work had basically disappeared for him to where it was earlier in his career. And so I, I think when you look at where Miles Sanders is, he ended up in a great spot because there's not a lot of competition for touches. I mean, when you're hearing, you know, the minicamp reports of maybe Chuba Hubbard can take him off the field on goal line opportunities. Okay, good luck with that if that's your op- options. But I do think that they're, they're in a weird spot, Carolina, because they have a very good defense, uh, a, an underrated defense, a very underrated offensive line. And I think everything's going to come down to how quickly Bryce Young becomes that guy, if he ever becomes that guy. They're going to lean on their run game. I think everybody knows that if you're playing them. And so will he have success against eight-man fronts behind a lesser offensive line? Again, I think it's still a good group. It's just not Philadelphia's group. Including the threat of the passing game is not the same. So I think Sanders belongs sort of probably – I think he belongs after Pierce, after Dobbins for me. I could see him in the mix, though, with Walker and, and Williams, unless, again, you're just leaning on youth. Yeah, I think like that is the hardest thing, Dan, is, is battling that youth versus actual stability of having right. a job in the future. And the one thing about Sanders versus a couple of those guys is he has at least shown the ability to handle 15 touches a game and be a lead back. A lot of those guys, especially Javante, still kind of in that, is he just going to be a super explosive part-time back for his entire career, or does he have a chance... Do you think he's just get all the explosiveness back, average five yards per carry, catch 50 passes, but never quite be the workhorse guy? I don't know if it's going to happen right away in year one. We tend to see these running backs have take a year before getting back to their their their, their form after the ACL. But I do I do have faith in him in a Sean Payton system. That's really where it was at. I liked what I saw from him at the NFL level in the receiving game. 
a little bit more than I even thought he would have coming out of UNC. So I think that'll work well with Sean Payton. And I just feel like it's a nice fit other than that. System-wise, it's a good fit for him. The blocking team is a good fit for his style of running too. So I just kind of like the fit there with Sean Payton in that system. Um, and the talent I like coming out. So I'm just kind of hoping he can get back to form within like two years. And that's all I really need for Dynasty. I'm not as worried about it for this for this coming year. We're going to take one more short break. And when we get back, we'll run through round seven. Okay, so after I took Miles Sanders with the first pick in round seven, his former teammate Dallas Goddard goes to Dan. And then we've got Rashad White, Aaron Rodgers to Team Chris Towers 2023 or bust. TJ Hawkinson, uh, that's another running back there. After TJ Hawkinson, isn't it, Dan? Cam Akers, yes. Cam Akers, Jamison Williams, Kadarius Toney, DeAndre Swift, Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, and Kenny Pickett. I was actually considering Kenny Pickett. I think that's a very good pick. Um, I think in terms of turning into a QB2 and being young and getting him this late, I actually like that quite a bit. He pairs him up with Desmond Ritter, who you kind of uh, didn't have nice things to say about earlier, Dan. How do you feel about that combo of Pickett and Desmond Ritter? Can he get a number two QB out of that group? It's not for me personally. Um, these are not players that I would draft. I just I don't like the low the quarterbacks. I don't see a, not only no ceiling for in fantasy, but just in the NFL for. I don't really see much of a ceiling for Pickett or Ritter. I would expect both teams to move on from those quarterbacks fast. Like for example, Russell Wilson, who I just took. Russell Wilson is locked into the Denver Broncos based on the contract he signed. They're going to minimum have to have him for the next two seasons on that roster based on how they structure the contract, the dead cap that would come with it. So I know I'm getting those two years. Can you say the same about Pickett or Ritter? Maybe you can hope to get two out of Pickett. Ritter seems less likely. But in either case, neither has been a as neither has really shown any flashes of being a fantasy factor at the quarterback position like Russell Wilson has at least in the past. So to me, I just, I don't, I don't really take chances. I know they're younger. So it's like, you should, it seems like you should draft them over these older guys, but in the NFL, until you really prove yourself as a quarterback, you don't have much of a leash. Yeah. I I'd be surprised if Kenny Pickett doesn't have another two years. Do you think there's a chance Pickett gets replaced after this year, Jamie, if there's not a big leap? No, I, I mean, I, I think you would have to, not take any step forward and they would have to, you know, break Mike Tomlin's streak of, you know, 500 or better. Yeah. You know, it would have to be a, just a disastrous season for them because I, I think you see the formula. Look, when TJ Watt was healthy last year, they were a very competitive team. And then when they started to run the ball a little bit better, they were a very competitive team. They just did not get good quarterback play, which is something you need to win, you know? And so if they get better quarterback play, if you, let, let's just say, I don't know, Jared Goff got cut or Kirk Cousins got cut and ended up in Pittsburgh right now. How much will we love that offense? You know, just just those type of guys. Knowing that the the receiving core being what it is, the tight end being what it is, the running back being what it is, everything there. It's just we 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 have a lot of questions about Kenny Pickett. So the situation is very favorable. There's a lot to love about what he can become, uh, but he's got to prove it. I mean, clearly last year was a, a a frustrating season when he doesn't throw for 10 touchdowns. And Dan, I, I know you ran this down based on something you read from somebody else, just the quarterbacks that have not thrown for for double digit touchdowns, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, just a miserable, miserable list. So hopefully, you know, that, that's something that Kenny Pickett in year two does a lot better. And I guess that's that's fair. I think Jamie's assessment is fair. I don't know if I necessarily believe that he's going to be replaced by next year, but I don't know if what, what you're really getting out of Kenny Pickett, even if he does have that starting job, especially in an offense that and a team that Jamie just discussed is very, you know, run heavy. They want to play a certain style of football. It doesn't really lead to fantasy success. Um, and I don't really like the talent at all. Like Sam Howell, who you just took, Keith, I would take him over Kenny Pickett. I at least see a potential for Howell to, to rise into something that I'd be interested in in having in fantasy. Um, but I'm back on the clock now. So I, I, I think it's really interesting, though, we, <laughs> that we view like those Steelers. 
they had what, Jamie? It was a, about like it was when TJ Watt was healthy at the end of the year. It was about an eight yep. game stretch where they went super run heavy. But Matt Canada has been there for for a while, and it's not really been that before. He's he's mostly been, and now maybe it was just because Ben Roethlisberger was running everything, as I like to joke about. But I do you do you think that they will like they're not going to get into the Titans or the Falcons range of being that run heavy? But do you think that they're throwing the ball less than league average this year? I would if if I had to bet, I would say yes, they're going to be less than league average. But but I again, you know, this is. Early in the season, I think you you got to experiment a little bit. You got to you know we'll see it in training camp. You know they got to throw the ball. They have to threaten teams by throwing the ball. You know you you, you don't make I I think the I don't want to say investment, but you know to draft George Pickens and to go out and sign a a, a guy to see what he still has, kick tires on Allen Robinson, and say okay we're just going to still run run and run some more. I know those aren't world beating type of talents or opportunities how they all came together. But I, I again, I just think the, the the situation is is very favorable for a quarterback. It's just a matter of will that quarterback step into it, and hopefully that's the case for Kenny Pickett. So Jamie, I'm going to stay with you because I want to talk about the tight ends. We we had in the first eight rounds of this draft, there were just uh, five tight ends taken. Kyle Pitts went in round two. Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey both went in round five. In round seven, we had Dallas Goddard and T.J. Hawkinson, Dalton Kincaid. The sixth tight end off the board, taken in round nine. I was there at the eight nine turn, and I was I was pretty strongly considering taking a tight end. I Kincaid isn't my next highest ranked tight end. I'm not going to say who it is because I want him to come back to me. You guys probably know who it is, but <laughs> I took Marquise Brown. I took Sam Howell, my third QB, to get that spot locked up. Do you like Kincaid as the number six tight end in Dynasty? And do you think we're at the point where we should have a, a run of guys going pretty quick? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's certainly up there. You know, I, I don't I don't necessarily have it ranked. Uh, that way, but again, you're talking about what he can become, and he was, you know, a, a prospect that you know, everybody looked at and said, okay, he's he's got a chance to be a big slot receiver. He's ended up in a great situation with Buffalo. They traded up to get him. That's obviously a good sign as well. You know, they didn't want to wait the two picks in the NFL draft to go from 27 to 25. Um, he's hopefully tied to Josh Allen forever. You know, you're starting to see clearly the maybe some fraction between the team and Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, not exactly the most consistent producer, so. Could this be the next quarterback tight end pairing like we see in Kansas City? Maybe. Um, he's 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 not Travis Kelsey, but he's got the ability to be a, a, a difference maker as a pass catcher. And so hopefully that's the case. And so it's not a bad swing of defense here by Joel to go get him. Jet and Dan, we're uh, wrapping up round nine here, and we're going to be wrapping up the podcast in just a few minutes. I want to tell anybody that wants to see the full results, they will be on the site probably this afternoon, definitely by tomorrow morning. I'll have a write-up and everybody, a breakdown of everybody's team. But we're going to break down Dan's team, Jamie's team, my team so far. So, Dan, you started off with a pair of quarterbacks, Joe Burrow and Deshaun Watson. Then you took three straight wide receivers, Drake London, DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley. You've got two running backs. I don't know if either one of them are a starting running back, Javante Williams and James Cook. Russell Wilson is your QB3, a good, solid tight end in Dallas Goddard. Is this a win-now team, a play-for-the-future team, and, and how are you feeling about this roster? I feel really good about this roster. I like how it played out here. It's more play-for-the-future, for sure. You mentioned it with Williams and Cook. The roles might not be defined right now in 2023, and they, and they might not even be defined at the end of 2023. But I'm hoping by the end of 2023, they're both in a good position moving forward. They're both younger backs, which is what I'm looking for. I'm not looking to invest in any of the older backs in the dynasty team. So I'm happy that I was able to wait so long at running back and still get two of the younger backs, the NFL, younger and more talented backs. I know they have some concerns for sure. I'm a big James Cook fan, though, so I'm good there. I was able to get Dallas Goddard, a player who I thought was a big drop-off personally. I have him 
considerably higher than TJ Hawkinson in my rankings based on what I've seen from a talent standpoint. And then I really like that I was still able to get quarterbacks in this draft. To me, Russell Wilson is a big value in Dynasty because of that contract situation um, and because of what is drafted around him. So I was happy with it. I would the one the one regrets is the one regret I have is if I had I really like Jamie's team and if I had done more of that and just really punted at running back and tight end and not taken Javante and Dallas, I could have got a combination because I would have taken Jamison Williams there um, for starters and I would have had another receiver there and I would have felt really good about where I was at a receiver. But then then I don't know, you know, moving forward if I would have had any options at running back. So I at least feel okay about having two of the younger backs in the NFL. Well, this was I intentionally tried to make this a little bit trickier because it's two wide receiver instead yeah. of three. It's double flex instead of one. And then it's half PPR instead of full PPR. Jamie, that did not deter you at all from going zero RB. And you did it. If you're going to go zero RB, you did a pretty fantastic job. The wide receivers, Garrett Wilson, T. Higgins, Traylon Burks, Jamison Williams, Quinton Johnston. You've got tight end locked up with Mark Andrews, Justin Fields and Kirk Cousins, a very solid QB group. And then I was really surprised. I didn't even really think that he was still available. You take Alexander Madison in round nine to be your RB1. Did, does the format difference bother you at all in terms of zero RB? And how do you feel it worked out? I feel like it worked out well. You know, no, the format didn't change things for me. You know, it was kind of just when, when Mark Andrews was still sitting there, I was like, okay, this just makes it easy to take it. And then, okay, now I see the direction I'm going to go. And so, especially seeing still some of the running backs on the board. Now, I have a tough decision to make because do I want to, you know, sort of go really young at the position or take somebody who could still help me now and, and be competitive? And I'm sort of in a weird spot because I think my receiving core and my tight end, while I don't have Chris's talent, um, I think I have the ability to be competitive. You know, if Garrett Wilson right. becomes who he is, T. Higgins continues to do what he does. Um, and and the hope that one of the two of Traylon Burks and Jameson Williams takes that step forward, you know, and you're not going to have Williams, though, for the beginning part of the season. So what I think I'm going to end up doing is go with a little bit more of a veteran presence at running back here and take James Conner and just sort of say, okay, this is the last older running back I'm going to take, and then I'm really going to just – steer toward the younger guys and just take a lot of swings of defenses just with the hope that they become something you know so a lot of the guys from the rookie class or maybe some unproven sophomores or just see you know who continues to fall because dalvin cook's still on the board um you know uh david montgomery's still on the board you're not to just give away you know players that i'd be looking at but those are the type of running backs that i think you would sort of target with the hope okay they can get me through the next year or two until some of the guys that i may take or just have to you know readdress the position next year and shout out to Matt Donnelly taking Pat Fryermuth. He did not make it back to me. Since that pick where I was considering tight end, we've yeah. seen Dalton Kincaid, Darren Waller, Fryermuth, and was there one more George Kittle also off the board? So I'm probably just although even at this point, like you get to the double digit rounds and I don't have a tight end, and I look at the guys that are in that right tight end twelve range. And there's still David Njoku, there's still Cole Komet, there's still Greg Dulcich, there's still Dalton Schultz, there's still Chigo Conquo, there's still Sam Laporta. Most of those guys are going to be bad, but there are still guys in that double-digit range that I think you can, if you take a couple of them, you can talk yourself into. It's the old uh, great or late at tight end, right, Jamie? Yeah, for sure. You know, and I mean, look, Laporta, my mayor, you know, they may become something. You know, they were, they were highly touted prospects coming into this class. I'm still a big Oconquo fan. I think he's got a chance to, you know, pick up what he did from last year, especially in the early part of his career where right now, unless they sign DeAndre Hopkins, there's so many targets available for Tennessee, even though they are going to be a run-heavy team. You know, he could even be the best pass catcher there, assuming Traylon Burks doesn't take that next step. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think you're in a bad spot there with these guys. And the guy you even took, and David Njoku, still can get you through 
until you get maybe that that next tight end, which I'm sure you're going to target as one of the younger guys. And before I make my pick, Dan, I'll, I'll just go over my team. I, several players that you don't like, so you can give me the F if you like. Patrick true. Mahomes, Jared Goff, and Sam Howell at quarterback. My running backs are Travis Etienne and Miles Sanders. The wide receivers, Chris Olave, Tyree Kill, Jahan Dotson, Marquise Brown. I just took Njoku to be my starting tight end. Where did it all go wrong, Dan? I don't know why you think I don't like this team. I really like this team. I, I, I really like Olave pick. I thought he fell a little bit too far uh, there. Terry Kill, I think, is also falling a little bit too far. People are just listening to what he said about retiring. Who knows if that's going to be true if he, if, he's, if he stays by what he said there. Um, so I think he did a good job here. The only Obviously, I'm not as high on ETM. That's fine there. It's good value there. San- oh, sorry. I think I'm back on the clock real quick. Um, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I tell you, I told you, like all the all the credit in the world, Adam's gonna just be watching how he's listening me. and just laughing at me trying to talk and run a mock draft. But I'm done with that because we are done with this podcast. Again, go to the site. The write up for the full mock draft will be on the website at cbssports.com. Jamie, thank you, Dan, thank you for joining today. Thank you for all of you who watched and we're in the chat, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday.